You know, it's been said there's no sure thing, and usually that's really true when it comes to Hollywood. I once heard someone say that if storytellers in Tinseltown actually knew how to make a hit movie, they would do it every single time. Obviously, that's not the case. But there might be an exception, one could argue, and we'll talk about that argument today as it involves director James Cameron. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of the Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, James Cameron, of course, is recently best known as the director of Avatar and now Avatar The Way of Water. And it looks like the latter is well on its way to the rarefied air of the $2 billion box office club. And um, you got to be pretty special to get there. You got... I don't have that kind of... No, I, I am not in there. You've got two Avengers movies, one Star Wars movie, and of course... Avatar and Titanic. So if he pushes it to six, that means he owns half of the club. I mean, that (laughs) makes him almost a majority shareholder, but not quite. He just needs one more percent. Anyway, I digress. So in our first segment today, we're going to talk about the success not only of Avatar The Way of Water and its predecessor, but more broadly, why James Cameron seems to have an incredibly intuitive knack for telling stories that connect with people that they want to experience and apparently that they want to experience over and over again. And, you know, obviously Avatar and Titanic are the heavy hitters here, but virtually everything the guy has ever done has turned to solid gold at the box office, all the way back to Terminator and Terminator 2, Aliens, The Abyss. Um, you know, the closest thing he has to a whiff on his resume is True Lies. But True Lies, we'll get yeah. into that in a little bit because even that, you know, is is probably a, a stand-up single. Yeah, a good movie. <laughs> and in our second segment, we're going to turn our gaze from James Cameron's success in the past to what families should expect from the future. Now, I'm not talking the far future. I'm mostly talking 2023. What's coming up this year that maybe should be on your radar to be looking out for some of these things we might be looking forward to, and some of them we might be looking to avoid them. Right, Paul? Exactly. (laughs) And after that, we'll wrap things up with a rousing round of Pop Culture Connection where we'll each have 30 seconds to respond to a question about entertainment asked by our producer, Ashley, and we will try to be uh, clever and and also really concise. And actually, (laughs) cleverness and concision often do not go together, as all of my editors are aware of. So that's where we're headed today. And as always, we would encourage you to get involved with The Plugged In Show yourself. Leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast and be thinking about what you would like to tell us about James Cameron's movies or the upcoming year as you listen to our conversation today. And we'll tell you how to do that a little bit later on in the program. So with no further ado, let's get started. Joining me today are Paul Acey and Jonathan McKee. Hey guys, how are we doing today? Hello. Very good. Thank you very much, Adam. It's time for old man welcome voice with Paul. Paul is very glad to be here. (laughs) Paul had a terrible Christmas. He aged 40 years. (laughs) Jeez, whippersnappers. So here's where I want to start today. We all have movies that we know and love well and have seen repeatedly. And I'll not talk about Star Wars, only to say that I'm not talking about Star Wars. 
But then there are a whole bunch of movies we've seen that I might call one and done. What do you think separates the two? In other words, what is the magic in a movie that makes you want to watch it over and over again? So I'm going to reveal myself as a very shallow person right now. <laughs> well, I mean, we're 165 <laughs> episodes into this podcast. It's probably okay at this point. It's probably okay. We're all good friends here. The big I, reveal. For me, you know, there are a lot of movies that I see during the course of the year uh, that I think are really good movies that I have no desire to see again. The thing that brings me back to movies, and I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not a big repeat movie watcher, mainly because I just don't have the time. Right. Um, but when I do watch a movie, the thing that draws me back, this is way too simple, but it's the fun. You know, it's, it's sort of like when you're in an amusement park and you ride a roller coaster and you say, I want to do that again. And you get back in line and you do it again. Yeah. That is what brings me back. As I was thinking about this very question, I was I was kind of pondering why I don't go back to see the Schindler's Lists or the Silences of the Right. World. I saw Braveheart once, and that was plenty for me. Those are great <laughs> movies, undeniably great movies, but... I want to see the Balrog scene in Fellowship of the Rings. I you want to see not the, the opening scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Those are the things that I want to experience again. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and, and even just thinking about some of those scenes, the, the, the sword fighting scene in, in The Princess Bride, you just think, <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to go see that again. And so it Absolutely. really comes down to fun for me. Well, and it almost gets it, you know, taking us all the way back to Hollywood's roots. And, and that is the fact that the big screen was a spectacle, mm -hmm. right? It was an invitation to participate in something literally bigger than life. Uh, and unlike anything we'd ever seen before. And I think that popcorn munching sensibility is very much at the heart of, of why we see things over and over again. Like speaking of munching, if jaws is on, you know, cable and we still a, we still have cable and we still channel surf, so that makes us old and older in one fell swoop. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if we happen to stumble on Jaws, it's like, oh, Jaws, let's watch the shark eat some people. That would be fun, right? But there's something about the spectacle of it that never really gets old. Jonathan, what do you think? I don't know. When you ask, like, you know, what is it about a movie that makes it, you know, the difference between when you want to watch again and again to one and done? Man, I think of the interview with the Big Bopper where they kind of asked him, you know, you know, how what's the key to your success? Why, why do some people have success and why do some not? And his answer was, some cats got it and some cats don't. Uh, and uh, may and the Big honestly, Bopper rest it, in peace, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'm with Paul. I can't name it, but fun's a good word, Paul. I mean, you kind of because I I couldn't put a word to it, but to me, there's something about, I mean, my brother, when I, in, in high school, when I was, uh, get up in the morning, every morning he was eating a bowl of cereal, watching star Wars literally every morning. So, I mean, it got to be, it got to be where I was like, you know, uh, just quoting lines, but you know, but I got to go to the Tashi station to get some power converters. I mean, it was like, it was in like lines that don't even matter were ingrained in my skull. Cause he was watching it during, you know, while eating cereal every morning, you know, uh, but there is, you know, so there was something about it that drew him to that film or he needs therapy. I'm not sure. Um, but, no, but no, uh, it was for, the film for me, the fun factor. I think the fun factor is huge. Uh, it, and it's funny cause there's James Cameron films 
I think quotable, I probably would have said quotable is a big thing for me. Uh, you name Lord of the Rings, we quote that all the time. Believe it or not, James Cameron's Aliens, yep. we quote. I know where you're going. All the time. I mean, you know, like, she survived our fears. We'll put her in charge. I mean, there's there's good lines. <laughs> Game over, Most, man. man. Yeah, yeah, mostly from Bill Paxton, um, you know, <laughs> that were, uh, or the Saturday Night Live takeoff with Dana Carvey doing Bill Paxton. That's also a great one. Um, uh, but, but there's this, I mean, it, quotable is huge, and we quote a lot of movies around the house. Um, so I don't know, maybe that does it, but fun is a good one, Paul. I like that. Well, it's one of those things where, where when we talk about it, it's hard to actually put our finger on what's going on with these movies. You know that the people who make them put a lot of thought in how to construct them. I think there's a lot to do with cinematography, how the editing is done, all that kind of stuff. But as, as a viewer, you forget all that and you're just pulled into the story. And I think that that's what good stories do. You don't think about what, how you're being manipulated, essentially. You're just along for the ride. Now, just to put a plugged-in caveat, we would say, you know, be careful of just going along for the right. ride. But there is an element of fun and there's an element of entertainment that we just can't ignore here. Well, and I think I would add to that, and this is probably a good segue into our James Cameron conversation, um, how it makes you feel, right? Mm. And those heavy movies can draw out heavy feelings. Right. Like uh, the first time, I think I've only seen it twice, uh, that I saw Saving Private Ryan. I mean, you're just wrecked. I mean, it makes you feel the weight of of tragedy, of loss, of the horror of war. And Schindler's List is the same kind of movie. You know, you want to hear a quiet yeah. theater, go see Schindler's List in a theater. Well, you can't now. But I remember when I saw it in the theater and it was just deadly silent mm -hmm. afterward. That's a feeling, but I'm not sure that's the kind of feeling we're talking about. Well, it's and it's weird, though, because there are some movies that are like that for me, like, like Schindler's List I thought was great, but I literally have only watched it once. Um, Titanic. Okay, let's talk Titanic for a sec. We're talking and James Cameron. And that'll bring Cameron. us into to uh, James Cameron here. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, when I saw it, I went to see it with some friends, and the day it was released, because I'm a big James Cameron fan, uh, heard all the hype, so I went to go see it. So, you know, I'm three hours and 15 minutes sitting there watching the credits roll, and I'm like, you know, and I talked to my wife. I'm like, this was the best thing, whatever. And she's all, I want to see it. We got to see it. I went back a couple hours later, and saw it with my wife that night. So I saw seven hours of Titanic in one day, okay? Uh, I mean, I literally watched it. And you know what? I was on the edge of my seat. I wasn't bored. He kept me for Titanic twice in one day. Not a lot of guys can do that, but he did it. Well, I think, again, that's a great segue into our bigger conversation about James Cameron. And the the question that I had sort of posed for this conversation is what does James Cameron know about the human heart? Because I think you can look at his movies and you can say, well, they're big stories. And, you know, some of them have CGI, some of them have aliens and explosions. Like there's something bigger here than the constituent parts. Mm -hmm. um, lots of movies have those big things going on. Uh, but, you know, even if half the movies in Hollywood have those things, most of them don't make billions of dollars. So so what is it? And so let's, you know, continue our conversation, Jonathan, with what you've just talked about. What do you think 
the core appeal of a James Cameron movie is. And we can talk about the last two Avatar movies maybe in particular, but we can expand that out to his other his other films as well. So I would bring it down to maybe two critical elements. Simple stories in complex worlds. Whoa. It's like you're a movie reviewer. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and what I mean by that is when you when you go into a James Cameron movie, you know, it's not like going into a Christopher Nolan tenant, right? Right. Where you just you're don't not sure what's going to happen, or you're not sure what just happened. Right. Exactly. Cameron <laughs> yeah. he brings to the table these very simple, easy to follow stories that have a real power and resonance to them. You know, they always have this emotional connection, but when you when you draw them out. You can kind of explain them in one or two sentences, right? right? But he always does these very simple stories in worlds that you want to be, in a way, a part of. Or at least worlds that are incredibly tactile. Okay. Um, you know, Avatar, of course, is probably the biggest example. We've talked about this with Avatar 2. You walk into the theater, and it makes you feel like you are there on Pandora. It yep. is just this I want to go swimming. Well, and you think about... You think about the fantastic CGI on those Marvel movies. When you put a Marvel movie up against Pandora, it just doesn't look real. It just doesn't feel real. Right, and somewhere James Cameron is smiling well, right now. I'll be honest. I'm not, I, am not, I am not a big James Cameron guy. I, a lot of his movies I can sort of take or leave, but he does a fantastic job of drawing you into those worlds. Titanic is another great example. How many people really wanted to just go on on a massive 1912 cruise ship after seeing the Titanic? You know, and, and even I with, didn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. But, <laughs> without the sinking part, but it it brings you into this world that is unfamiliar and one that we we really want to be a part of in some way. I don't know. I'm going to go back to his early, like, let's go back to Abyss. I mean, he had, yeah. he had pretty much done, you know, Terminator and Aliens and, and out comes his film Abyss, which honestly, I always describe to everybody as it probably would be one of my favorite movies if it weren't for the dumb ending. Uh, but <laughs> he, he, there's something the about his screenplays, the way he writes characters. And, and of course, but he also keeps you on the edge of your seat. There's always great action going on. Masterful with digital effects. I mean, uh, Abyss was one of the you know first films to really the liquid yeah. you know creature there that was there was kind of like the beginning of the you know evil terminator that we saw in terminator 2 i mean he, he yep. was basically he's like he tries new things and there's something about it that makes you want to watch it again and again it makes you want to watch those scenes that were even cut out you know and, and go what did we miss um it, he really has a great way of writing um and, and he's good at what he does and it makes you want to go back now it's interesting it is that movies are very personal there's you know we always around the table what you like that movie i can't believe you watched that movie that movie made me fall asleep tenet made me fall asleep never want to watch it again but but it is funny because there's um, Avatar for me was a one and done. I was kind of like, eh, you know, I, and I love Cameron. Cameron would probably be one of my favorite directors, but I literally, I, I watched it and I was like, yeah, was it good? Yeah, it was good. You want to watch it again? Nope. <laughs> Saw the tree fall once. That's good enough for me. So <laughs> it, it is kind of a personal thing. Um, I, I mean, I could watch the Terminator films over and over again. Maybe I'm shallow. I don't, and it's Connor. not because I like to see him blasting people away. 
I love the writing. I love the suspense. I love the, uh, you know, uh, and and even the Terminator films that aren't Cameron now that go back. I, I love it when you have the one that literally went back to the first one and you're re-seeing the first one, but the future has now been inserted into it. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And you're seeing these classic scenes that you know so well redone. Um, that's all because Cameron wrote such a good story to begin with. So he, he's got skills. He has got skills. And, well, it, and again, I think it gets back to everything that you said, Jonathan, I think goes back to the idea that he knows how to write a simple, entertaining story. Well, and I want to build it on does. that. I think that if you sort of did a some sort of a graph, like if you tried to deconstruct it scientifically, the stakes are always huge, right? I mean, it's always life or death. And usually it's life or death for everybody on board, you know, whether that's on board the Nostromo, you know, the spaceship, whether it's on board the Titanic, whether it's on board Pandora, it's like, all right, this is a life or death struggle. There is a sharp demarcation between good and evil. Like you never, he doesn't really do the anti-hero thing, really. It's like, these are the good guys. These are the bad guys. Go. We're going to turn them loose. And, you know, Titanic's a little bit of an outlier because, the bad guy is, you know, I guess the iceberg or life or fate or something like that. You but, do have a bad guy on board that well, boat. Well, that's true. You know? That's true. That's true. But you also have characters that I think are kind of everyman characters. You know, Sarah Connor gets pulled into this conflict that she never asked for. Uh, and even Ripley, as awesome and amazing as she is as a character, is she's a relatable character. And Jack and Rose, like all of them, I feel like are characters that have that sort of, oh, I'm I'm a little bit like them. They're not so far afield that I can't relate to them. And you drop that all into an eye-popping spectacle and it, you know, you get the feels, right? And well, you, you do get the feels. And I think that those those personal relationships are what people go back to. Like I, the people who I know who have seen Titanic over and over and over and over again are not going because the ship sinks. Right. We know what's going to happen before it starts. It's yeah, all yeah. about That's that relationship. It's all about that romance, right? Which is one of the reasons why Titanic kind of left me cold, so to speak. Pardon right. the pun. You and Jack um, both. <laughs> um, <laughs> lame. Uh, I'm here but, all week, folks. But when you think and next week, <laughs> when you think about the Avatar movies, one of the most impressive things that I think that James Cameron did in that was make these truly alien creatures incredibly relatable. Yeah, we go into the movies, we end up relating far more to these ten foot tall blue skinned creatures than we do with the actual humans yeah. there, and that is that is. Is no small feat. I don't no think. No small feat. And in it's fact, all about the relationship. Are, their feet are huge. It's all about relationship, you know, because I think that that's what brings us oh, yeah. that emotional pull that would take us back to the movies again and again. I want to just take a a turn here and talk about why this matters. We've sort of been talking about Cameron from the perspective of people who enjoy story and people who think about movies for a living. But we often talk about the power of story at Plugged In and how we're wired for stories that matter, stories that give us hope, stories that help us understand our world. How do you think the bigger themes in Cameron's work that we've talked about connect with the story, with God's story of redeeming fallen humanity through Christ? 
Now, you know, one of the things that I, I do think that when you're talking about Cameron, and let's just give a plugged-in caveat here. A lot yeah. of the movies that we've talked about have some real, real problems. Oh, some yeah. of them are rated R. Even the ones that are PG-13 have got some content concerns. So be very, very cautious before you dive into these. But when you talk about, and you mentioned this before, Adam, uh, that strong line between good and evil. I think that that's a strong thread that you find throughout his movies. Uh, you find this sense of uh, companionship and camaraderie that that the people, mm-hmm. the heroes that we see in Cameron are those that pull together. And the enemies that we see are often those who try to pull us apart. Oh, I like that. Now, I don't think that Cameron comes at these stories from a Christian worldview, but if you're looking for some Christian lessons to take away from them, I think that those are things that you can talk through and you can see that that as Christians, we're meant to be in community. We're meant to love one another. We're meant to care for one another. And that is a critical point in a lot of Cameron's movies. Yeah, I, I think, and back to the point that one of you made earlier about, you know, uh, that often it's, it's you know, these people put in these, I can't remember how you said it, extraordinary situations. You have ordinary people put in extraordinary situations and making decisions. I mean, uh, and it's funny because Cameron didn't do the first alien, you know, that was Ridley Scott, but you take the first alien film was these drill workers, right? You know, who are kind of thrown in this situation where they encounter this creature. And then you have these settlers in aliens, which Cameron took, which are these normal people put in this extraordinary situation. And the ones that survive is this, this basically, you know, a blue collar lady who survived the first situation and a kid are kind of the, right. are the heroes of the film. You take Abyss and you've got these, again, drillers. He must like drillers, uh, you know, who <laughs> are down and they're put in a situation. Hey, we need you to help with this rescue operation. And they're not set for it. And and one of the most incredible things about that movie is you got these guys who are like, I, I don't know if I'm, I can do this because they're put in this incredible situation and the relationships that are happening there. Um, you got this guy whose marriage is falling apart and there's a scene where he takes his wedding ring off and throws it in the toilet. And then he ends up reaching in the toilet and grabbing it. <laughs> yeah. And he comes out and his hand is blue for the rest of the movie because of the blue water of the toilet. Yep. You know, I mean, yep. and such little things like that, uh, such good writing that makes you feel like, you know, if I was put in a situation like that, you know, would I have a foundation? And that's the one thing that's great is when you talk about it, it's, you know, think of weeks ago when the thing happened in the NFL, where all of a sudden we saw a player go down and Everybody drops to their knees, and you, for the first time in a long time, see everybody in ESPN saying, "We need to pray." You know, let's you know our prayers are with this guy, and also that's what happens in in these incredible situations. Is people all of a sudden, when stuff you know comes down to it, people all of a sudden start thinking, "Is there something out there that can get us through this? Is there someone?" Um, and they unite together, and very often they're looking for a foundation to stand on, and the Christian faith is that foundation, and that's where some of these movies are great spinoffs of those kind of conversations. I think that that's awesome. That's on- awesome, Jonathan, I, and I think that that's absolutely right. It's uh, When I think about the most powerful moments in, in Cameron's movies, it is, that, it is that blue arm. I love that. Um, I, I think back to Aliens 2 and, and Ripley's desire to save this little girl. It, Newt. It is, yeah, it, Newt. it is one of the most uh, compelling scenes that I remember. And the cat, too. 
And the cat, too. You have these, <laughs> That's you the find again and again <laughs> that it's the relationships, it's the family, it's all of these things that Cameron goes back to again and again. And and as I think about this conversation, these expansive, wonderful, weird worlds that Cameron brings us into, he anchors them all in relationship. Yeah, He anchors them all in a sense of faith. Now, not in a Christian faith. Right. But he anchors them in faith in one another. Mm. Uh, we as Christians know that that's, that's a half turn wrong, but I still think that it's something worth thinking about. I think yeah. so too. And, and hopefully as you listen to the Plugged In Show and as you read our reviews, you'll have a sense of how we try to connect some of those dots so that if you and your family are enjoying these stories together, if you choose to do that, that you know we've given you a little bit of a roadmap to think about here's how you can move from sharing an incredible entertainment experience together to connecting that to our real world and our real situations and the things that we grapple with every day. Because I think these stories resonate with us. They give us hope. They encourage us because life can be hard sometimes and maybe a lot of the time. And uh, sometimes we want to escape but a good story, I think, does more than give us the feels or, or give us an escape. It gives us something to chew on. And uh, so we here at The Plugged In Show want to help you do that. And we hope this conversation has maybe nudged you in that direction today. And uh, we'll keep trying to do that. So thanks, guys. Good, good talk. Well, it's a new year, and that means the entertainment industrial complex is gearing up to hurl a vast Hurl. cornucopia of content our way. Yes, I said cornucopia. <laughs> we thought it might be both fun and helpful to let you know what's coming, what you can expect in the realm of movies, TV, music, books, and games. So joining us for our second segment today are Paul Acey, along with Kennedy Unthank and Bob Hoos. Greetings, gentlemen. Hello. 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 Paul. Back to old man voice. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I feel do like you I've secretly got to... want to be older? I do. Well, just wait. I do. It's coming. Only, I'm only 27 years it old. It shall be. <laughs> Paul, we're going to start out with uh, the big rock because, you know, <laughs> movies. Let's just talk movies. Let's talk movies. If I were big movies in the queue to land in 2023, what would I be? Oh, my goodness. There are so many it's big a huge right, well, It really is. This year. Well, pick a few, I guess. Well, yeah. So first, I got to lay out kind of what we're looking at in 2023. It, okay. it feels like we are getting back to pre-COVID days. Normalcy. Where there's a period of time in the summer where every single every single weekend has a big movie out. Now, it's going to be pretty much what we've come to expect. You know, there's a lot of superhero movies out. There's a lot Yay. of sequels out. We're seeing another Transformer movie. We're Are you seeing, kidding me? Kid you not. Kid you not. We're seeing four DC superhero movies. We're Holy seeing, cow. Uh, it's like they've had these films all in the can. You right. Know? And yeah. they've been saying, okay... This is the year. Let's get let's, let's get them out there. Do it. And one of the weirder entrants is going to be a new Indiana Jones movie called Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I think it's called Indiana Jones and the Dial of CGI. Yeah. 
because they're going to. They're going to youngerify him. They're going right? to youngerify him. They're actually going to go to the reverse of what I do with my hellos. They're going right. to make him younger. Um, so this is the Benjamin Button of all of the Indi- Indi- that's Indiana exactly Jones right. movies. And from what I've heard, it looks pretty good. It does. Now, in terms of what we want to talk about here, I'm not sure. Those are kind of expected quantities, right? right? We know what to expect from superhero movies. We know what to expect from a lot of these sequels that are coming on board. But I did want to mention a few movies that I think families especially might be interested in. Um, March 3rd, we see Creed 3. Oh, yeah. That's going to be an interesting movie. I know that we, we've heard a little bit This is kind of an ongoing it. extension of the Rocky franchise. That's right. Exactly. Right? It's an extension of the Rocky franchise. And interestingly enough, Michael B. Jordan is actually directing this. He's mm. he's going sort of that Sylvester Stallone route because he why, started why directing Why do you think that. it's family-focused, though? Well, you know, I think that, that it always has had sort of a family element to it, a quasi-family I mean, element to it. What's more family it? than men beating each other to, to a pulp in the ring. Right? There's That's always sort of too. this inspirational quality. And I think that, that because of some of the buzz that we've heard, we really don't know what's going to be in this movie, but just from some of the behind-the-scenes conversations we've had with people, there are some people who are very excited about sort of that family quotient. So mm. we will be interested to see whether it comes to fruition or not. Um, I think that, that another interesting movie down on the horizon is going to be Elemental, uh, which is a Pixar movie. Uh, it actually takes us into this realm, a little bit like Inside Out, a little bit like Soul, where you have these elements that sort of hang out with one another. Um, and it, it features an element of fire and an element of water who fall in love. That now, feels problematic. It, well, <laughs> we shall see. You know, I was not a big fan of Turning Red, which was Pixar's latest big movie. Um, I would like to see whether... whether um, Pixar goes uh, in a better direction, you know? Well, sound, be sounds a little steamy to me. You know, I was going to oh. make that joke. I didn't know if that was going <laughs> to be allowed wow. or not. Oh, wow. Man, oh, man. All right. Then later on in the year, we have <laughs> Disney is... <laughs> well, you know, we got to get the bad bad dad jokes in there. Oh. You know? That was nice. You win. <laughs> November 22nd, uh, Disney is coming out with a movie called Wish, which sounds like it's going to be an origin story for the wishing star. Hmm. Oh, man. So meta stacked upon meta for Disney. We shall see. You know, one of the things that I think we have often been critical of Disney for is sort of this idea that if you wish upon a star, something will come true, right? That's something we've always pushed back on. So I'm going to be interested to see what this particular property looks like. All right. Well, plenty to consider at the box office this year. Oh, and oh, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. This is one that I'm actually Paul's nonverbal told me he wasn't done yet. About, I thought I was done, but I'm not. December 15th, we have an origin story. Speaking of origin stories, for Willy Wonka. Yeah. It's yeah. called Wonka. And the thing that makes me kind of excited about this is it's by di- the director of Padding- the Paddington movies, which oh, have been those are like, delightful. Oh, they're so good. So I'm going to be really interested to see whether that sort of carries through that family-friendly atmosphere. Yeah. And, and speaking of origin stories, uh, I heard there's going to be an origin story like Hunger Games movie coming out, too. Yes, which you are I don't know if that one correct. will be as family-friendly. but uh, Probably not. Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, that'll be coming out November 3rd, so that'll be an interesting one as well. All right. Well, Bob. Yeah? Video games. 
Yeah. What's on the docket if you have a gamer in your family? And my guess is there's probably a mix of stuff. It's like, we'd love to have that game. And then there'll be the, everybody's yeah. playing that one, but it's got big problems list. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I sort of made a list of different games and most of the big problem ones, I thought we don't even have to mention them because they already know <laughs> what they are. Uh, but there, there are a ton of new games coming out that are going to be fun. Uh, one of which I think a lot of people are looking forward to is uh, another Harry Potter game. Okay. It's called Hogwarts Legacy. And it's all about, you know, it's an action RPG that lets gamers actually go to Hogwarts as well as explore all these different uh, areas that we all know so well from the books. Um, so I, I think that's when it's going to come out early in the this year. It's uh, in February. Okay. Uh, so I think Kids will be definitely looking forward to that one. One that I'm looking forward forward to (laughs) is a pirate game called Skull and Bones. Not only does it deal with with pirates, but it's naval warfare, too. Okay. Sounds like a like a strategy like a, game. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it sounds like a game you can you know get dressed up for and bring the the <laughs> friends over and argue. And hopefully, way everybody else dresses up too, and you're not <laughs> you're not the only one in the pirate outfit, Me right? Pig leg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, and there's also a new Star Wars game early on in the year called Star Wars Jedi Survivor, mm. which is of course about a Jedi who. Saves, saves the world once more, you <laughs> know, from you. from bad and evil. Uh, so those three are are we're right there at the top of my list. But there's a, a new um, Legend of Zelda game coming out pretty oh, soon. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, that, huge that, franchise. That one's a little uh, like halfway through the year, right about okay. May, June, something like that. Yeah. One of the things that we're seeing more and more, I think, is that crossover between movies and television yeah. games. And there's a lot of games that are coming both to movies and TV. That's right. There's going to be a Gran Turismo movie, believe it or not. Which, I don't know uh, yeah. how you do that. They Just already drive did eight cars, of them. It's right? like <laughs> Fast and the Furious, or 9 or 10, actually. Which, another sequel coming up. I forget where we're at with Fast, Fast X. And- Fast X. Okay, so we're on 10. Yeah. Right. yeah. And then, of course, the Super Mario's Brothers. They're so fast, I can't yeah, even yeah. keep up with them. Yeah. And there's a new Street Fighter VI that's coming out uh, this year. And that's, um, I think it'll be June when that one comes out. Um, and, you know, and there are a lot of people that, that you know, really get into those fighting games. And yeah. uh, and Street Fighter was one of those, it was right there at the top of the heap. You know, it, it, didn't, it never got really too nasty. Right, it wasn't in Mortal Kombat territory. Right, right, right. But it definitely had lots that you could uh, get into and enjoy, you know, just beating up your sister without actually beating up your sister. Right. That sort of thing, you know? <laughs> um, File that under, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and one other thing, one other thing I'll make mention of. Um, there is a brand new VR2 system coming okay. out, uh, which is PlayStation, uh, attached to the PlayStation 5. But uh, the VR, the first VR system was one of these deals where, like, there were a thousand wires and it was very difficult to move around and... That, and that was the limitation of the system. But this new one is supposed to be much more lightweight, much more streamlined, much more just slap on your headset and go, you know. And uh, and I th- there are a lot of people that are excited about that, too. Okay. Kennedy, what's happening in the realm of TV that people might want to be aware of in 2023? Yes, yeah, so it's actually a great segue from video games because something recently came out on January 15th called The Last of Us, which if you're a it's gamer... It's not This Is Us, the sequel, No, no, right? no, no. 
This is more fungal apocalypse. <laughs> fungal apocalypse. There you go. Uh, so the last I'm of us. I'm trying to come up with something witty, but I'm not. It's just not coming. I finally beat him. <laughs> uh, the last of us, though, it is uh, the story of Joel and Ellie, a duo who essentially become like father and daughter as they cross this post-apocalyptic America that has been infected by this fungal disease that turns everybody into zombies. Huh. As it does. You, you knew there was going to be zombies yeah. in there somewhere, zombies. right? Right. Got End of the world, zombies. Okay. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Another uh, huge one that's going to be coming out, Star Wars Ahsoka. Okay. Uh, a new series scheduled to be released under the vague title of 2023. Okay. <laughs> TBA, as they say. Uh, it's about, obviously, the legendary uh, Ahsoka Tano, the Padawan who studied under Anakin Skywalker before becoming a formidable Jedi herself. Okay. And it makes you wonder, how many of these you know, sideline stories are they going to create out of that central Star Wars uh, more? They've got uh, a whole, they literally have a whole universe to explore. Yeah. You know, and I think that some of those, some of those sideline stories are way more compelling than just revisiting the old characters Mm -hmm. time and time again. No, Mandalorian was pretty. uh, Well, and Andor was pretty pretty engaging too. We could on Andor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Although there are some problems too. Now back to Kennedy and what else is coming (laughs) in 2023? Yeah, so we can't talk about new TV series without mentioning any new Marvel series that will be coming out. Uh, peak of those is likely going to be Agatha, Coven of Chaos, which will probably be the most controversial of the new three that are coming out. Uh, we saw Agatha debut in WandaVision, and it seems she's going to be getting her own little spinoff of that spinoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Iron Heart, which if you saw the new Black Panther movie, you got a glimpse of what that will look like. Riri Williams. Uh, Marvel's Secret Wars. Now, this is a story about the shape-shifting scroll, the aliens who we saw in Captain Marvel, Mm -hmm. who have the ability to take on the face of anybody they want, and they have invaded our society without our knowledge. Oh. Hmm. Okay. And finally, uh, just to mention shows that are coming back for uh, season twos, threes, fours, we've got prominent shows like The Mandalorian, Loki, we have Succession, and we have Severance, all of these big shows that are going to be coming back in 2023 as well. Hmm. All right. Thanks, Kennedy. Bob, I know it's hard to believe, but people still read books sometimes. Yeah, and and they often become movies and video games and TV shows. And believe it or not, we review them. And we also review them. You know, some people don't know that Plugged In doesn't just do TV and movies and games, but books too. We also do things that don't rot your brain. That's right. Right? And there's some and there's some <laughs> and we've had some really good ones too. And, and by the way, what what we review is it ranges from like kid books up to young readers to teens and young adults. So that's sort of the scope of what we aim for. Yep. And there are a number of good books uh, that I've seen that are coming out soon. Let me tell you about some of them. What's uh, on his reading Bob, glasses? What do we got? That's going? right. Well, one that one that really appealed to me. There's one called "Enter the Body." Mm. Now this one sounds what? Well, it sounds a little odd. But it's listen to this. It's Shakespeare's dead heroines all get together in a room beneath the stage and talk about their experiences and then tell you what really happened. Oh, wow. wow. That sounds like a movie. Oh, so it's like happen. wicked. Kind it, of. It, well, it sounds like a very interesting idea. Wow. There's also a, a new um, a lush retelling of the Snow White story called Snow and Poison. That one's Ooh. coming out in April. 
Uh, one, Sounds dangerous. That's right. <laughs> uh, one one that's aimed more at the younger group is um, a book called "The Town with No Mirrors." Ooh, that sounds uh, intriguing. Yeah, and it's a story about this. I young, like the idea young girl who, She lives in this place where uh, you can't look at your face. You're not supposed to look at your face, or you're not cons- supposed to consider what other people look like. But she. So they don't have Instagram either, apparently. No, that. that yeah, that's a big <laughs> thing. Um, but she has a secret sketchbook where she keeps uh, oh, drawings wow. of people's faces and she's trying to figure out the mystery of this town. Oh, that's interesting. Doesn't that sound like a, a fun little little story? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, another one. The Island. Now, this one's more young adult focused, um, coming out in February. Uh, it's a group of internet influencers. They're invited to preview and post about this incredible new amusement park. Okay. Are there but, dinosaurs? Well, you would think. I mean, it sort of <laughs> does sound like a Jurassic Park thing. But the problem is that going home isn't necessarily on their agenda. Oh. Hmm. Okay. So little things like that are so fun. Thriller-ish. Let's see. Yeah. Oh, and one, one other that I'll mention here. Um, there's one called Star Splitter. And this is a story of a young girl who is in a crash landing uh on this desolate planet, okay? But when she gets there, she has to unravel the mystery of the destruction all around her. Hmm. Hmm. So, Interesting. Again, I all, feel like that every day when I come to work. I, yeah. just, I just feel like I need again, to say I just, that. Again, I just think there's a lot of... Uh, the wonderful thing about stories written for younger kids and for young adults is that they can go places that, you know, your average adult novel just doesn't go, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can be they can have everything from fantasy to to these very imaginative and broad ideas. And we try and find those and review them for plugged in and uh, and there are a lot of fun ones that we do. Yeah, it's it's always interesting when we're talking about sort of what is coming up in 2023. A lot of it sounds very very interesting, but one of the reasons that we do what we do is because some of those really interesting properties have problems. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and that's and, the unfortunate thing. You can you can read the log line and suddenly go, "This is cool," and, but then when you read it, oh, there's things in there that right. you didn't expect. Exactly. exactly. So we'll be covering right. all this sort of stuff to let you know whether there's problems or not. Right. We will. And finally, we actually have music coming out. I know it's music? hard to believe that music still exists, but it does. <laughs> not on CD. Though. Uh, well, you know, if you're of a certain, you know cohort we'll put it that way maybe you're still buying cds i still buy cds definitely Um, be on vinyl so we have i'm just going to do sort of a a speed round list of the artists who are releasing new things this year and we'll be covering them um sam smith who has become a really important uh british singer has a new album coming out january 27th just uh in about a week or so we've got uh the first new album from paramore in a long time Mm. and if you've been laying awake at night wondering when is that sort of pseudo-fictional band Gorillaz going to release something else. They have a new album coming out uh, called Cracker Island, which makes me hungry just thinking about it. Lana Del Rey uh, has an album coming out in March called Did You Know That There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard? So she sort of got this sort of uh, paranoid shtick going on, and that title seems to play to that. And then we'll have new stuff from Miley Cyrus, Metallica, uh, Pharrell Williams, Rihanna, Cardi B, and Jennifer Lopez. So each week at Plugged In, along with all of our other coverage, we look for music that we think 
you're going to want to know about because your teens might be listening to it. So those are just a few of the artists to keep an eye out for as we move into the year. And um, we'll be covering likely all the things that we've talked about today uh, as they come out, keeping you in the loop on what's going on in the realm of pop culture across all of these different genres. So thanks, gentlemen. You bet. Well, now we come to a part of the show we call Pop Culture Connection. And it's been a minute since we've done this. So let's see if we can remember how it goes. I think it works like this. Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Adam. Ashley, uh, she comes at us with these questions. and We have two minutes to answer. We have 30 seconds to answer. (laughs) Nice try, Paul. Paul would like two minutes, but that would just be too long, I think. and uh, we try to give as many rapid fire and also clever, if possible, responses yeah. as possible. But but mostly this is about quantity, not quality. Right. Although Ashley, yeah. who is our professional game adjudicator, um, sometimes adjudicator. wow, I know, right? Wow. Let me look uh, that one up. I woke up to read the dictionary this morning. Uh, <laughs> judge, she sometimes gives bonus points if we, you know, right. are particularly clever. So Ashley, enough from me. Yes. Take it away. All right. So let's have Jonathan go first. Set the All bar right. high. All right. Jonathan, All right. oh man. Blink once for yes, nope. twice for no. Spider-Man no. using his webs <laughs> no to promises. move the lawn. <laughs> All right. I think this is a good one for Jonathan. What do you consider to be the best action flick ever and why? Oh. Above the law. Because it's Steven Seagal. He's oh, wearing a tank word. top and he's actually thin. <laughs> he's got martial arts that uh, that's probably some of the most amazing martial arts ever. Uh, he beats up bad guys. Um, it goes back to flashbacks of, of the war. You know, um, he, uh, you know, saves the helpless. Um, his hair is slicked back and he looks really good. Um, you know. Uh, wow. Oh, wow. Jonathan, he saves I, the helpless. I would love in some sort of alternate universe to understand the neural connections <laughs> in your brain that enabled you to come up with above the above law the in law. less than a second, I think. That's right. And, and I always talk about quotable <laughs> lines. It has lines in it like, there's rubble all over the yard, Nico. I, don't, I think that no matter how many answers Jonathan gave, I think we should just oh. discount the entire... Thing because of the whole above the law. No, thing. I think mm. he's our permanent winner. Oh because, my goodness! Because wow. hashtag Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. Yeah, it sounds like there's going to be some plugged in content. I mean, it feels like yeah, there. yeah it feels, feels like mm, yeah. There's a bigger conversation mm, here for yeah. a podcast another day. Yes. Who's next, Ashley? Well, I gave Jonathan eight points on that one. Oh man! So next. With above the law. Yes. With so, above the law. For yes. saving yeah. right. the helpless. All right. Saving next. the helpless. Adam, he does save the helpless. I mean, I feel like that could be a, a thing now that all of our answers can include saving the helpless. Saving the helpless. Okay. Right. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Adam, your question is who do you think is the best villain of all time and why? Ooh. Oh. I'm sorry, but it's so easy. It's Darth Vader. I mean, he strides he strides into the first scene on the Tantive Four, and he's got this black costume, and he's got a breathing problem, and he's choking he's people. Problem. And you're like, I love this guy, like from the get go. You love and this the, guy. And then Carrie Fisher shows up, and they they have this interchange, and you're like, who is this monster? And then we find out eventually he's actually the good guy. 
crazy, right? I know. I don't think I got Spoiler eight points. So. No, five points, but it was no. still a good one. Sorry, Doris. No, but you named the vessel there to show your true nerddom. These were great questions. They yes. are. Did you know that Emperor Palpatine has a first name? Shiv. Todd. Frank. He talks no, it, to Padme in, I don't know, remember, episode one or two, and he he turns to her and said, may I be Frank? Oh, jeez. Frank Palpatine is a lot less scary than... His actual first name is Shiv. Oh, okay. I'll believe you. Shiv. That's hilarious. I'm not kidding. You can look it up. It's on the internet. He got that name in prison. It's on the internet. He got that name in prison. He got out, though. All right, right, Paul. Your question. All right. I'm ready. Eight is the... Eight is the high watermark. Eight is the high watermark. Since we've talked about Titanic, it felt like that was appropriate. High watermark. Your question is... And you totally missed my joke, but that's okay. I I wasn't listening to you. Right. You open your front door to the world of your favorite book. Where are you and what do you aim to do there? I am in Middle Earth. I am wandering through the Shire looking at all the nice, beautiful fields, talking to the hobbits, uh, drinking some of that whatever they drink there, um, (laughs) smoking the the pipes that they have there. And then I'm off on an adventure. I want to go see the old forest with that weird tree that eats people. I want to visit the the werebear up in the the mountains. I want to talk with Tom Bombadil. Nice. It's good. All right. All right. I've got a tie with Paul and Jonathan. Oh, my goodness. Actually, we need to take one of my points away because while Paul was talking, I looked it up. It's not Shiv. Oh. It's Sheev. Sheev. So he didn't break out of prison. Wow. Which makes me sad. But good job, everybody. Yay. Yay. Good job. Nice work, guys. Yay, us. I don't want to steal your moment any more than I already have, Paul. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. so rare that I'm even sharing the winner circle with somebody so well congratulations to both of you <laughs> do we get a raise for that no <laughs> no you get but the you get joy to come of, back to the plugged in show you get the joy of that's winning that's enough winning well thanks again for spending some time with us at the plugged in show here today we hope it has been rewarding for you also and hopefully more rewarding than Paul just uh, <laughs> tying for the win I mean really Paul I don't think a tie for the win is that exciting, but whatever. You're just whatever. bitter because you lost. And he, and he yeah. tied to a Steven Seagal film. That's, yeah, that's really Steven terrible. Seagal top Darth Vader. What kind of world are we living in? Well, if you have enjoyed our conversation and our witty banter today, please tell your friends. Word of mouth is the best way to really help people know that The Plugged In Show is out there. And you can also leave us a comment wherever you get your podcasts. We would also love to hear from you. Do you have a favorite James Cameron movie? Do you really think True Lies might be the crowning (laughs) achievement in Cameron's, what's the word? Ouvre that you know that there's that some French word that means a collection of things. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Or do you think he's vastly <laughs> overrated? And for that matter, what are you looking forward to this year, entertainment-wise? Our Facebook and Instagram accounts are a great place to keep this conversation going. Or you can shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And we may just feature your comments on an upcoming show. And speaking of that, we want to announce the winner of a contest we mentioned several weeks ago. We invited you to send your entries for Name That Movie, which is another game we often play. And we've chosen a listener named Mary, and she had this entry. 
two out-of-work dads start a new venture that brings their families and community closer together. Do you guys know what it is? It's Daddy Daycare. Daddy Daycare. That was a good guess. And it was a good movie. That was a good movie. That too. Because <laughs> it wasn't really a guess. Awesome. No, it wasn't. But that's all right. Us. And she says that that one of the things that they quote a lot from the movie is laminated, which <laughs> I confess it's been a minute since I've seen Daddy Daycare, but now I want to go back and find that's that funny. word in that quote. So thanks, Mary, for sending that in. And we'll be sending you a copy of Jonathan McKee's book, Parenting Generation Screen. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us here at The Plugged In Show. We know you have a lot of things vying for your attention. So we are glad to make room for you at the table and invite you into the conversation we have each week about pop culture and technology and how it relates to your family. And we would invite you to come join us again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show.